All right, welcome to the State of the Lakers show on Dash Radio. Uh, I am pissed off right now, deeply annoyed, deeply disappointed, and I can only imagine, Raj, that you're feeling in a, a similar manner. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of tired of these type of games. I guess uh, we keep thinking that one person coming back, and I guess LeBron was supposed to be the ultimate. I think he played well tonight. It's just something's happening in the second half of these games. I'm just tired of talking about a team that seems to lose the rope every single time, uh, just get blown out for some reason. But happy Friday. Happy Friday, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) We suck, man. Um, we, we are a shitty basketball team for lack of a better term. Um, you know, it's funny. Ross texted me. Uh, I was actually watching the game at my parents' house tonight because it was my niece's birthday. So I was driving back and Raj just texted me like, Hey man, what's the list of topics? What are we going to go over? And I just texted him back. I'm like, everything, everybody, no one is safe. <laughs> like, there's not a, there's not a person on the roster that doesn't deserve to be burned down in some capacity tonight. There isn't that there's no one on the coaching staff that is safe. No one in the front office. This has been a disaster and it needs to be characterized as such because the, the, the truth of the matter is, is it is hard to lose basketball games with some of the talent that's on this team. It's hard. And regardless of fit and regardless of, you know, some of the things on the margins that were criticized, if you've got LeBron James, even at 80% capacity or whatever the heck he was tonight, because he definitely was rusty. You could tell he was struggling to handle the basketball, even on his, even on his dunk where he was cutting on that THT post up early in the game. He didn't get nearly as high on that as he was getting when he was dunking all over Houston two weeks ago. So obviously LeBron wasn't the full version of himself. That goes without saying. However, even taking that as fact, LeBron just being a big forward who could make plays off the dribble, who could see the floor, who could create for others and defend on the back line, filled so many gaps that this team needed. And you saw that just in his first stretch there when the when the Lakers looked fantastic in the first quarter. But with that and with Anthony Davis, who we're going to talk about, and with Russell Westbrook, who even if you don't like him, like that's a certain amount of talent that's on the floor. With Carmelo Anthony and his ability to shoot, with THT, who obviously had a really rough night tonight, but a guy who has a certain amount of talent, it is hard to look as bad as the Lakers did tonight. And I think, you know, my theme for tonight, and we're going to keep circling back to this, and I know, Raj, that you disagree with me, and I think that's good because then it'll help us to get to the bottom of some of this stuff. But Mm -hmm. I think this team has quit on Frank. They, for whatever reason, the things that Frank asks them to do in the defensive scheme, they are unwilling to do. Not just unwilling to attempt. It's it's not even just like a physical physical shortcoming, right? Like we are not physically capable of carrying out this task. It goes beyond that. They are not even making the attempt. They are getting bullied on box outs where they're not even attempting to fight for the for, mm-hmm. for a rebounding position. They are giving absolutely no resistance at the point of attack. Not, oh, I tried to slide my feet and I just got beat. No, no, no. They are giving no attempts to stop people at the point of attack. This team is not willing to do what the coach is asking them to do, which to me is indicative of a culture of a group that – either doesn't like their coach or doesn't want to play for their coach 
or for, if for whatever reason, they do not seem intent on doing the things that he asks them to do. And Frank has also done things uh, on his side of uh, like he, Frank has not allowed himself to be blameless because he does stupid things like, OK, we're going to play THT with the starters and then just bench everybody and oh, go man. to a lineup centered around Rondo. Like that's just that, that's you putting yourself in the crosshairs there, brother. I can't defend you when you're doing that. OK, mm-hmm. it, or or OK, here comes THT back but we're going to bring him back with Russ. Oh, and guess what? Russ, he didn't get a lot of shots with the starters. So he's going to try to control things off the bounce. And so THT can't get his rhythm leads to one of his worst games as a pro. The point being like uh, there, every, everyone deserves to get some sort of criticism tonight. But to me, the foundational problem is this group is not bought into Frank. And that could be because Frank is trying to run a scheme that doesn't match his personnel it could mm-hmm. be that Frank doesn't know what he's doing offensively. I'm not sure what it is, Raj, but these guys don't want to play for him. That's just a fact. The Boston Celtics are a team that has struggled with effort all season. It has been the story. Their coach has openly criticized them for sure. their effort. And they completely outplayed the Lakers today in the effort and uh, extra effort and, and intensity and ball pressure and, and defensive pressure areas of the game, rebounding pressure, everything. It was a complete – they were outclassed tonight. It was depressing. Yeah, I just want to preface that before I go into this. This was the first game where I watched and I was like, damn, I missed the title team. You know what I mean? Like I, I really haven't felt that in terms of like just personnel and the way they play. But this was the first game where I'm like, damn, that team – the farther we get from that, I think the more special we'll remember – that team to be uh just it's rare to have seasons like that and this is the first game to me i don't disagree with you like it's just if they quit on frank is something that's hard for me to quantify you know what i mean because i'm still just seeing lineups that just don't make sense and i see vogel trying to do these you know trade-offs where it's defense for offense and look if they quit on frank we have a bigger issue here like that's something that needs to be solved a lot quicker than a lot of lineup issues a lot quicker than the rondo stuff it's like I don't even know where even to go with this. Like <laughs> you, you said that they quit on Frank, but like, again, it's just, this is LeBron's first game back after eight games, but I'm still, do you remember when uh, DeAndre Jordan was playing all those minutes and then everyone mm-hmm. just said, take DeAndre Jordan out, put AD at the five and that would solve everything. Do you remember that? And I was, I kept saying like, that's not like a plug. That's not a button you just press and it solves everything. And our guards are just absolutely awful at the point of attack. And look, that can be effort. That can be them just being terrible. But there's a mix there that's really troubling to me. Dennis Schroeder went off, and I don't think that's an accident. I remember when John Moran had 40 on us, I said, that's not an accident. The Shea went off on us. That's not an accident. Like, these guards are going to just keep on killing us. But something is happening in the third quarter. This is where I can kind of agree with you. Doris Burke tonight on the broadcast said, we were, we've been outscored by 80 points in the third quarter. That's extremely difficult to do. Just in like in that's totality. coaching, Raj. That's coaching. No, hundred percent. That's hundred percent coaching. That's hundred percent adjustments not being made. That's also some kind of lackadaisical effort coming out of the half. Like there's some nonsense of, for lack of a better word, like nonsense of urgency when they come out of the half. You know what I mean? Like it just feels like they come out and they start walking. Boston went up seven, and to be honest, Jason, I thought the game was over. I don't know about you, mm-hmm. how you felt at oh, that time. Oh, it was right away. You can tell right away. Oh, I thought the game was over. Tatum hit like a open three, and again, like some coverages made no sense. Dwight is like in a drop coverage when Jason Tatum comes off a three. Like that's Jason Tatum. Like there's some kind of have to be some personnel decisions going on. But you're right, there was an absolute 
like quit in the third quarter, which is just something we talk about identity all the time. And again, I don't really like to go into those kind of things because that's stuff that's kind of off the basketball floor. But there was definitely some quit. There's definitely some like putting your head down, 80s body language, which some of it is, you know, I understand. Like I, I wanted to, I texted you and I wanted to talk about the negatives of like 80 at the five. And again, this is separate from the quitting on Vogel, but there's just stuff that like people say, just, oh, put 80 at the five. But defensively, man, when we have four guards around him, even when it's LeBron there, 80 switches and it's like Malik Monk or Wayne Ellington or Avery Bradley or, and everybody got a lot of crap tonight. And, you know, he wasn't great. I just think this doesn't fit Avery Bradley's uh, play style. Avery Bradley is a good point of attack funneling guard. Like when you can, when he can funnel players into, like, if you want a player to go left, Avery Bradley is really good at just staying on them, making them go there, making them go into a big. AD at the five induces a lot of switching unless you go zone, which we can talk about later. But it just induces a ton of switching, and you have all these matchups all over the floor. But you're right. That third quarter was awful. There was some quit. There was some hanging of their heads. There was there's just something going wrong third, and I'm not really sure where to quantify it. I don't know if it's lineup. I, I hated the Avery Bradley starting tonight. I said that we had to start a shooter in that spot. And I thought both THT and Russ and LeBron all suffered from it. LeBron hit a lot of jumpers early that I thought masked a lot of ugly offense. AD hit a lot of mid-range jumpers early that masked a lot of early offense. But what do you like? Do you attribute these third quarters just to quitting on Frank? Like, is there anything else? Is there just is there basketball adjustments not being made? Like, what do you attribute these? Because I think third quarter issues are huge. It was a one-point game at halftime, and then Celtics went up seven, and I thought the game was over. What are you attributing these third quarters to? So fun fact, the title team um, mm-hmm. in 2020 had a really good net rating in first quarters. I can't remember exactly what it was off the top of my head, but I was looking it up the other day. Something around like seven or eight plus seven or eight points per 100 possessions, which is pretty decent, um, you know, for, for a quarter of play. They were plus 0.4 in the third quarters that year. And that was an excellent effort team that was very much bought into Frank and everything that he was doing. So they're absolutely – so, of course, I'm not going to go back and dive into a bunch of third-quarter film from 2020. So I couldn't tell you schematically uh, off the top of my head where things went wrong. But the bottom line is teams were able to make adjustments and limit the effectiveness of the Lakers in fourth quarters – or in third quarters in that season. That's a problem. That's something that points to the coaching staff. You know, I tweeted something out in the uh, in the middle of that huge Boston run. I said that I didn't like this team's basketball character that they had an unlikable basketball character. Mm-hmm. The, th- the things to me that manifest basketball character are the things that are controllable, okay? When you have good process, if you run a good action, and, uh, you know, like if Russ gets all the way to the rim and he just happens to miss a layup, can't get too upset. That's a physically aggressive play. That's what you brought him to do. Did all the right thing. The result just wasn't there. However, there are a lot of things that you absolutely can control on a basketball court. Most of them are physical in nature, winning battles on the defensive glass, winning battles for rebounding position, putting in extra effort as a guard on the weak side to crash when other people are boxing out. Those kinds of things are absolutely in your control. They do not depend on whether or not your shot is falling. They do not depend on your uh, talent level. Just ask Austin Reeves, okay? doing things like sitting in a freaking stance and trying to offer some resistance at the point of attack. That is something that is in your control. That is not a thing that depends on the, on, on scheme or anything along. That's not a thing that depends on your shot being with you that day, 
that is just a matter of giving a shit. And for whatever reason, every single one of those checkboxes, Anthony, there was a play in the third quarter in the middle of their run where Malik Monk ran a pick and roll with Anthony Davis and Anthony Davis, instead of rolling hard to the rim, just kind of floated the 10. I could think is what in the world are you doing? Like this is a team that's desperate for some rim pressure to get something going to the basket. And you're, and you're continuing to just do more of the same and continuing to defer to things that are outside of your control. Like, is this jump shot going to go in? And it's just frustrating to me because all of the high character teams in the league, the golden state warriors, hell the Boston Celtics who are not a high character team tonight displayed a lot of those behaviors, probably because they smelled blood in the water with the Lakers. But the bottom line is all of the controllables, the Lakers mail it in on. They mail it in. So so then if all of your jump shots aren't falling, then guess what? You lose and you lose big. This is the thing. This is the point that I kept getting back to when I was saying that it's hard to lose with this much talent. Boston without Jalen Brown is a middle of the pack team at best in this league. I would argue that. There, uh, they could very well be in that bottom t- bottom third without Jalen Brown. That's how limited they are. And they beat the shit out of us tonight because they applied defensive pressure that we were unwilling to apply. They applied rim pressure that we were unwilling to apply. They applied rebounding pressure that we were unwilling to apply. And until that stuff gets fixed, it doesn't matter what lineup Frank plays. It doesn't matter, you know, whether or not LeBron comes back into MVP form. None of that stuff matters until this team takes on championship character, a willingness to do the things that you have to do to win basketball games. It it, it blows my mind how far back on the burn on their stove, the Lakers stove, it's on like the back burner. They don't give a damn about that stuff. They didn't even play a big in the second half. They were obsessed with creating space for Russ to drive, and he spent the entire third quarter taking pull-up jump shots while they played a LeBron at center lineup because they continue to be because they're they're trying to cater to this guy. And it's not just Russ's fault. I'm not just coming on him. And it, the only person that you could kind of offer an excuse for is LeBron because he's a little bit rusty. But the, just everybody just got completely pulverized in every physical matchup on the floor tonight. And you're just going to get your ass kicked if you let that happen. And, and, and you're, it, that third quarter stuff you're talking about, it's not just on the coach. It comes down to those things. These, they get into the locker room and they go, hey, we got to tighten up this. We got to tighten up that. And they come out and they tighten those things up. And the Lakers come out and continue to do the same thing and get their ass kicked. And it's frustrating. Yeah. I, again, like I always don't like to just blame defense or losses on effort. And look like that 100 percent. There was some quit and all that. And we discussed that in the third quarter. But there is like lineup stuff that I feel like you you just have to do with this team. And look, acquiescing to Russ is just what this season has become. Like, I just didn't think you could start Avery Bradley. And look, in the first quarter, AD LeBron hit jumpers in that third quarter. They didn't like those jumpers started to miss. And then, look, they continue to cheat off Bradley. Russ still couldn't get any space. You talked about in the first, fourth quarter, they went to LeBron at the five, and Russ started to finally get to the rim, finally get to the basket. But we couldn't defend. Like we're playing. I think Carmelo played 30 minutes again tonight. I don't think he can play 30 minutes in terms of just being a guy out there defensively. We have like too many pl- too many players out there that just get picked on relentlessly. You know what I mean? 
And again, mm-hmm. that's something where they like that's something they can compete and get a little better at. And look, I didn't like Malik Monk's rebounding tonight. I didn't like Wayne Ellington's rebounding. And again, I said AD was super frustrated with that tonight, and that kind of lead into his body language. And I thought he kind of just stopped. I wouldn't say stop trying, but stop playing with the effort it took to keep up with Boston tonight. Once that just kept on happening, we just played too many players that get picked on. We had a lineup with like Monk, I think Monk and Mello out there, and it was like Jason Tatum at like the buffet you know what i mean like he could just pick, like jason tatum can literally just pick who he wants and any miss and those rust jumpers man just again awful decision making and he's gonna have to adjust again i guess to lebron being back i think that's an excuse and a reason in himself uh but yeah like any miss tatum gets a rebound and it's like a one-on-one against malik monk it's a one-on-one against carmelo and that's just Again, Tatum's probably a bad example of this because he's like a superstar offensive player. But still, even Marcus Smart tonight, I thought, just destroyed us. Marcus Smart was like 8 for 13 or something like that. Some of them were jumpers, but a lot of them were just out-rebounding, out-hustling us. We just don't have the guards for that. And you said that's an effort thing. That's true. But there's a reason why guys like Alex Caruso go and get paid $9 million a year, right? Because that is a skill. It's an absolute skill to have guards who fight like that, who defend like that. And again, bringing up Caruso isn't really fair here. But I think there are lineups and stuff decisions that just have to happen and i kept saying ad at the five is not just some you know pretty answer that you press and everything gets solved like there's a ton of issues with that there's a ton of stuff that teams just pick on us our guards get destroyed on screens and russell westbrook is part of that russell westbrook does a lot of this he he fights really hard at the point of attack then he just gets absolutely destroyed by a screen like he doesn't see it coming i don't know if we don't call it out but and then we just get with a switch. Russ is on a big, AD's on a guard, no rebounding down low. Just a lot of stuff. Again, like I kind of want to move this forward a little bit in, onto the court as well. Are you seeing that as well? Like, are you sick you, of me ranting, Rob? Is that what you're <laughs> not saying? Not sick of you ranting. I'm just saying, like, this is stuff that we can't control, though. You know, like Vogel, you're being, right, you're right, you're right. Vogel being fired is something we're going to find out, like you said, by Woj one day, right? Like, it's just, it, I can't get there yet. Like, and again, I'm seeing Vogel I'm do there. all these. I'm yeah, I, I know. A lot of people are there, and I, I don't blame them for being there i've still like i put myself in vogel shoes right like i know i don't i can't feel those shoes i'll i'll never know as much basketball as he'll he'll forget but like just like vogel won a title less than 13 months ago with a team that absolutely fit his philosophies and what he wants to do and it got all traded away and look we can't play you know do this 2020 hindsight thing because Rob Palenka was applauded in the offseason for the moves he made. Like he, he was not just by Laker people, by the national media, Lakers were the one, two seed, whatever, whether you thought they were the favorite for Brooklyn, Brooklyn. So for now to go back and be like, Oh, Rob Palenka made them or like the Russell Westbrook move was, was a different story. That was a very polarizing move, but the rest of the roster was applauded, right? Like in a lot of ways, but mm-hmm. you see it just on the court. There's just a lot of stuff that I see that just isn't playable. Like these, lineups where we trade off defense for offense is just i don't know where they kind of go from here maybe kendrick nunn austin reeves and ariza is the answer i said you know tht and those three as your prayers probably is a misguided place to praise prayers but like i still think there's stuff we can do and maybe that's just me being a hopeless optimist but like i'm just seeing way too much stuff like we can't play these monk mellow and maybe we just have to because we have injuries but like you know what i mean by there we just have too many bad defenders playing at the same time uh, and we, we can't survive. We can't survive the Rondo minutes. Those were awful. I thought that turned the game around as well. It's just, I can't just stick on the fire Vogel because that's not going to go anywhere. At least I don't think we're, people say we're close to that. I just, I'm not there yet. So you're right. Let's get, let's get into some of the X's and O's because there's a couple of, there's two, there's two particular interesting phenomenon that I 
that I noticed in this game. And they both had to do with Anthony Davis at the five, which is something that you explicitly wanted to talk about. So Mm -hmm. first of all, the Lakers do a lot more switching with AD at the five and in general tonight, although not all the time, the Celtics did a lot of switching. And so what is the general thing that happens when both teams do a lot of switching? It generally turns into a game of uh, who can beat their matchup, right? Yep. One-on-one basketball. So the, the Lakers have the cure for switching defenses because they have the capability to apply a ton of rim pressure, right? That's just the, the, that's the, 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 the way to win that type of matchup is like, you're relying on jump shots. I'm getting to the rim every time. So just by playing the percentages, this is going to work out in my favor in the long run. That's the idea, right? Well, here's the problem. Russell Westbrook spent the entire third quarter going uh, as defenders went under screens, making no attempts to try to cave someone's chest in and make something happen. He was content to just settle for jump shots. LeBron James also content to settle for jump shots. When he did try to get to the rim, his handle was rusty because he hasn't been playing for two and a half weeks. And so he wasn't able to gain any advantage there. Anthony Davis still thinks he's Kevin Durant. So every single time they got a matchup that they wanted with AD in the post, there were a handful of times where he ripped through to the baseline. And every time he did, he either got fouled or made a layup, but he insisted on taking that same jab step jump shot or fadeaway jump shot that he always likes to take. And guess what? When you do that, you are playing directly into the hands of the switching defense. And then THT, who's supposed to be another option to help attack this type of switching defense was completely thrown out of rhythm because you basically didn't get him a, a legitimate basketball touch until late in the first half because you played him with the starters, which he didn't get a shot, which is fine. That happens. That's part of the thing that's going to happen when you're playing with all that talent. Every single one of those stars will have moments like that in the starting lineup. But then you immediately went to the bench and brought in a Rajon Rondo lined up instead of giving THT a chance to be aggressive when guys like LeBron and Russ went to the bench. So guess what? THT has his worst game as a pro. So now you're trying to attack the switching defense with four guys who should just be living at the rim and no one's getting to the rim. And, and to be honest, it was their own damn fault. None of them made an actual intentional effort to get to the rim. And when, until it was too late, there were there at the end of the game, there was a bunch of sequences where Russ and THT really put their head down and tried to force their way in there. But at that point it was too late. And at that point it was, it just was, it was, super telegraphed and easy to to read and react as the Celtics defense. And they were able to shut all of that down. So, and, and then moving to the defensive side of the ball. And I think this is something that you wanted to get at when you play Anthony Davis at the five, even with LeBron James at the four, there's a lot of responsibility that falls on the guards. And in order for it to work, you know, when you play a two big lineup with Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard or somebody along those lines, the, the, what you're asking for the other three players to do becomes easier because there's more rim protection. But when you play AD at the five, the job for those guys gets harder. So like we talked about earlier, if you're going to mail in all of the, uh, like all of the uh, uh, like physical intensity areas of the game, all of the things that are controllable, if you're going to mail all those in and Anthony Davis is at the five. It's going to look really ugly. And that's why it just became a layup line for for Dennis Schroeder and for for Marcus Smart to get to the rim and anytime they offered any help it was just an easy pocket pass nobody on the back end to help or if they did they just committed a stupid foul and gave up an and one but to your point when you're going to play Anthony Davis at the five the job for everyone else around them gets more difficult and and this is the last thing I'm going to say about it because this is the part that I think everyone is glossing over here in this whole situation it's so easy to be like 
this is what happens when you have Melo. This is what happens when you have Ellington. This is what happens when you have this guy or this guy or this guy who can't defend. I'm sorry, man, but they had defenders out there and they still weren't doing it. THT can defend. Avery Bradley was literally on that unbelievable Laker defense from uh, in, in years prior. Like uh, Russell Westbrook is every bit physically capable of doing the job. He just doesn't want to do it. And so if you can't get the guys who are physically capable of doing it to actually do it, then what are we even talking about Rob for? What are we talking about Rob for? Because if you trade THT or if you trade one of these guys for some defensive guard, if they come in and they don't do the job, it's still going to look bad. At a certain point, this comes down to personal accountability and these guys actually being willing to do the job. Yeah, it's a similar kind of issue. Again, like I was trying to hammer this point the whole time uh, when we were starting two bigs. And look, I was totally wrong. I thought DeAndre Jordan could play a facsimile of JaVale McGee. He can't. But just the archetype of that starting lineup was a point of attack defensive guard playing a drop coverage where AD can be uh, the roamer, right? AD can stay on the corner shooter, whoever that guy is, and that he can roam and play that kind of role. When you put AD at the five, your guards have to be able to either stay with the roll man and box him out unless LeBron comes down and gets a rebound. But that's the, that's the whole issue that I'm seeing here is that AD's out at top. And I don't know if this is a guard issue, if this is a personnel issue. It's hard for me to decide because, like you said, the guards aren't doing the things that Vogel is telling them to do. But that's been my whole issue this whole time. Like offensively, AD at the five should be the best lineup. It opens things for us. But defensively, man, we just play too many guys that just can't play the role that they need to. Carmelo down low, like he's a fine rebounder. He just doesn't fight in the way that I think you need to defensively. But you're right. These, all they do is do one screen. I thought Dennis Schroeder was way too comfortable tonight. He felt like he wasn't even seeing a defender out there. But when they have, when they have a screen that comes up, AD, over, AD is an overhelper just by his nature. Like that's just the way he plays. He likes to kind of overhelp. But they do do a lot of switching, and you leave it with these guards down low trying to face you know whoever the big man is al horford jason tatum got a lot of them marcus smart dominated us like those are the issues i see and again like i don't know like the main solution for this uh maybe it is when ariza comes back like that might be the perfect like three man but again he's like 36 like it's tough tough for me to put all our prayers um into that as a new starter but like that's that's the kind of conundrum that i'm seeing vogel play as well and we can kind of move to like the zone that they're playing which I know must kill must kill Frank Vogel to play a zone, the type of defensive coach he is. That's been our best option because it kind of simplifies the roles. The guards know what they do. But I just think NBA teams are too good to play a zone for as long as, you know, you would have to for it to be effective as your main option. But yeah, like that's what I'm seeing here with the AD at the five stuff. Everyone said it would be the solution and it, it is probably our best lineup in totality, but there's just a lot of problems with it when you don't have guards that can stick on stick on players at the point of attack, give any kind of back pressure. Maybe, you know, I don't think they're going to go back to the two bigs. I don't think DeAndre Jordan's going to play again. But you got to find some guards that can at least fight. And maybe just having Malik Monk or Wayne Ellington. I thought Wayne Ellington, I, like, he looks fine defensively. Again, he's not a good rebounder in that sense. But, like, you know what I mean there? Like, I just don't know what the solution is to this. Like, AD at the five is probably the lineup we're going to go to. It's the conundrum, right? Because you have to open things for Russ. And you have to play scores next to him, but like the scores can't defend. And then like in the second half, we're trading offense for defense, but we scored 41 second, 41 points in the second half with like three minutes left. So it's like a trade off where we're losing on both ends. You know what I mean? So like, I don't know where to really go with that. I don't know if that's just lineup stuff. All I know is like, I don't think you can play two to three bad defenders at the same time. 
you're right. I'd like to see THT get his own lineups. I thought we really put a lot of stuff in his way. Like, I, again, like they, teams don't play him as a shooter. And like he, he was he was bad tonight. A lot of really bad decisions. But I'd like to see him get his own lineup. But yeah, like where do you think the solution would go here? Because I, I really don't have one, I guess. Like if you're going to defend this way, you're not going to beat a lot of teams. Like that's just that's just the way it's going to go. It's true. And it becomes like a, it becomes like a cascading effect, which is something I talk about a lot on, on the show. The idea that like, you know, any one factor might not be enough to submarine your team, but when all of them kind of come together in confluence, it'll, it'll, it'll destroy you. Like for instance, like, like the, when the Lakers it confronted the stagnation that Boston tried to inflict on them with the switching by settling for jump shots it led to these kind of like semi-transition runouts where all of a sudden Marcus Smart and Dennis Schroeder have head of steam and your defense isn't set. You know what I mean? And it becomes one of those things where all of a sudden they just scored again and now you're even more discouraged and they are completely set in their half-court defense and they're switching everything and they just uh, uh, put you in another situation where Anthony Davis is posting up and guess what? He's going to take another jump shot. You know what I mean? It, it like It turns into this snowball effect and it's – and you're right. Like you can go to a zone for, and it actually did work for a couple of possessions tonight. Like if you go to a zone just to, to, to disrupt somebody's rhythm, that's one thing you yeah. might be able to cause, you might, you might be able to cause a really good basketball player to be confused for a few possessions, but you can't lean on that full time. And, you know, I, I said at the beginning of the show that no one was blameless at the beginning of the show or at the beginning of the game, Anthony Davis and LeBron were way more active on the back end than they were in the second half. There were actually mm-hmm. two, there were two plays in the first half where, uh, where uh, Tatum ended up uh, beating somebody to the basket. I can't remember who it was, but where LeBron was able to cause him to miss layups, but with it, with his uh, uh, verticality around the rim. And I remember sitting thinking in the moment, like, this is what we've been waiting for. This is what we've been missing. Instead of it being four guards in AD or three guards in mellow in AD, this is what it looks like when you have a real power forward that can rotate on the back end and disrupt stuff around the basket. But guess what? Both LeBron and Anthony Davis, and I'm sure they were discouraged on account of the fact that every time they missed a jump shot before they could even get in a defensive stance on the other end of the floor, here comes Dennis Schroeder down the lane on a straight line drive with absolutely no resistance. And they have no momentum or willingness to, to get in the way. I get why they would be frustrated but you have to find a way to reverse the snowball. And the only way to reverse the snowball is like, hey, maybe Anthony Davis, when you get that post up and you're down by nine in the middle of the third quarter, you rip through and you get to the damn rim. Because if you score, then you can set up your defense. If you set up your defense, maybe the guys can do a slightly better job at the point of attack. If they do a slightly better job at the point of attack, maybe LeBron and AD will have a better opportunity to clean things up on the back end. And then maybe if you get a stop, you can score on the other end in transition, which is the foundation of your offense and what you wanted your identity to be at the beginning of the season. Like the only that that's what, what is so frustrating about this is as the wheels go off with this team, it just continues to magnify their own problems. And it becomes an issue where it's like now Russ, who has a tendency throughout his career to every time the team is in trouble to take a, a couple of bad jump shots. He shot a jump shot on three consecutive possessions there in the middle of the third quarter when the wheels were coming off. Like it just, it, it's, it, it's, there was this team just desperately needs to have some good habits that they can tr- start to rely on when things go bad. Because as I've always said, 
your habits, your identity is what you fall back on and what you rely on when things get bad. And so if you are a bad basketball team with bad habits, then when things start to go bad, you're going to continue to do bad things and it will compound the problem. If you establish yourself as a a team with good habits, meaning Anthony Davis, a rim pressuring big, not a versatile, like a perimeter versatility big. If you establish yourself as Russ, as a guy who does not take jump shots, but just puts his head down and goes to the rim. And that becomes your habit. If you establish yourself as Russ, as someone who tries to give resistance at the point of attack, if you establish yourself as LeBron and AD as guys that want to make first team all defense and be a front court that smothers everything, if you turn that into your habit, then when things get bad, that's what you will fall back on. And it will become the thing that helps you right the ship instead of the thing that makes the wheels come off. That's how you end up with such an awful third quarter net rating. Because when things get bad for this team, they continue to fall back on their bad habits and it just becomes a compounding problem. And I don't know how you can fix that until fundamentally from the top down, you start to, uh, to change that identity. And, I, and it, you know, it does start with LeBron and AD. Um, and so as, even though it's not necessarily their fault in a vacuum, that things are the way that they are, uh, uh, the only person capable of changing it is them. They're, they're, they're the only ones that have the, the ability to inspire the rest of these guys to try to fix some of these bad habits. Yeah. And I think it's a fair question whether or not like it's fair to ask LeBron. Cause uh, again, like we talk about AD at the five and the, the defensive issue that causes but LeBron also at the four has to be a super defender, right? Like just to cover up for all the guards that we have, for the Russell Westbrook defense that we have, playing a lot of Malik Monk, playing a lot of Carmelo. He has to be that super, not defensive player of the year, but all defense type of player. And is that fair to ask of him in year 19? And I think we saw a lot of that as well in the second half where, you know, I thought in the first half his defense was pretty good. Second half, it really kind of tailed off. Um, those jumpers again didn't fall. But you talked about the habits I don't think this team knows what it is right now. And it's battling and it's having an identity crisis to me. Like they're trying to figure out who they are. Absolutely. I and I think, I think the Avery Bradley, look, I, it's not Avery Bradley's fault. Like it's not fair to blame him, but I think he kind of just represents this like, Oh, to the other side. Right. It, it, it's why, like, it's why I predicted he'd start tonight because it's kind of like Vogel's way of being like, yeah, I still have a defensive first player out there. You know what I mean? Even though mm-hmm. in probably in totality, he's kind of hurting you on both ends. The defense doesn't really match the style that he's really good for. Like I said before, the AD at the five induces a lot of switching. I don't think that's perfect for Bradley. That's not the type of player. That's not the type of player he is. It's the reason he's on a minimum deal, right? It's the reason he was cut by the Warriors. Like There's a reason why he has a specific skill set that's supposed to fit a specific style of play. And I don't think that fits it, but... You have to find some players here. Maybe Bazemore comes back in the rotation. You just need more size, more def- defensive size there. I don't want this to be all doom and gloom. You know what I mean? Like, this is a, this is LeBron's first game back. Hopefully, we get some rotation pieces here. And that's where I kind of want to go next with this, I guess, because it's probably unfair. It's probably crazy that, you know, missing Austin Reeves, the undrafted rookie, having the impact it is, but it does, right? Like Austin Reeves being out is actually a big impact. He's a guy who does fight for defensive boards. He's a guy that does rough it up inside. You talk about, you talk a lot about how like fighting inside is dirty, right? It's ugly. You get elbowed in the face a lot. You got to be willing to get elbowed in the face a lot. Austin Reeves is a guy that does that. Trevor Reza, hopefully coming back. Kendrick Nunn isn't even on this road trip. We'll see when he comes back. 
but that's where I guess want to end here. We did there was there was a lot of doom and gloom in this <laughs> in this show, but like putting three more rotation players, I think does help. But I, this team has to figure out who they are. Like you got to pick one. I, and to me, this is a fit around Russ. Russ is not going anywhere, like we said. And this is a team that has to fit around his skill set. I thought again tonight, starting Avery Bradley just induces. And again, it's just one shooter. But when you put him next to THT, LeBron, and AD, it makes all of them jump shooters, like in a weird way. You know what I mean? Like it turns mm-hmm. all three of them into jump shooters, which is the worst, the the worst outcome. So that's why I wanted at least one shooter in there. And maybe Wayne Ellington still gets cooked. Uh, maybe we still get blown out from the league monk starts. I just like I think we have to go all in here and not try to play these both sides, having that an identity that the team doesn't really know who they are right now. And I think that's troubling. But getting three three rotation players back, I think, would help. Would you agree with that? Getting, like, Ariza, Nunn, uh, whoever else is out, Ariz back would kind of help some of the rotation here. That's all I can kind of think of. To me, Carmelo's playing too many minutes, like, and probably Malik Monk needs to be more of a spark plug rather than a guy you just throw out there this long to be attacked defensively. You see where I'm going with that? I'm just trying to st- get a little positivity on this Friday night here. For sure. So let, let, let's try to frame this from the from the discussion of how the Lakers can write this ship, because we, sure. we you kind of you kind of have to accept things the way that they are, for instance. So I think I think Frank is way in over his skis offensively. I don't think he has any idea how to maximize this specific set of, of players in terms of their skill sets. You could tell not only with the lineups that he throws out there, but just with the way that the offense functions mm-hmm. in terms of the, the amount of motion or lack of motion that exists. He is completely in over his head. He is he is incapable as a basketball coach of solving the offensive problem. But the reality is, no coach that is currently available is capable of fixing that problem. If you go if you go to Fizdale or, or somebody along those lines, you're going to have the same problem. As a matter of fact, I think it was revealed today or the day before that Fizdale is technically the offensive coordinator of the team right now. So that tells you all you need to know in that regard. So. Uh, I, I, yes, I think they need to fire Frank, but it strictly has to do with buy-in. I, I think he's. I think. I think that the reality is 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 the team has quit on him. So if they were willing to, because well, I'll give you an example: defensive rebounding. Right, mm-hmm. Frank Vogel has been preaching about defensive rebounding from the guards nonstop over the course of the last month. He knows it's one of their biggest weaknesses with eighty at the five. It was one of the biggest reasons why he waited so long to go to eighty at the five. That's something he preaches, and still. On almost every possession, someone like a Malik Monk or a Rajon Rondo or a Russ or somebody on the wing misses a goddamn box out. It happens mm-hmm. on almost every possession. Clearly, whatever he's putting out there in their coaches' meetings, whatever he's putting out there in the film sessions, guys just aren't doing it. Okay. So that 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 is step one is they have to get this group bought into the concepts. Okay. Whether that's just LeBron chewing everybody out in a meeting or them just getting sick of losing or whatever it is. Somebody that they have to at least buy into the scheme. Okay. Two, you pointed this out. LeBron and AD have to be all defensive caliber players. They can't be, they can't be okay. They can't compete for stretches. They can't have a quarter here or there where they look like all defensive players. They have to have a 2020 level defensive commitment. That absolutely has to happen. If that doesn't happen, this team is going nowhere. And then three, in terms of the rotation, it may be time to start playing because there's an individual identity and a team identity, right? What makes Austin Reeves play the way he does, despite the team lacking that identity, is he has an individual identity as a guy who's willing to do the dirty work. As a matter of fact, when he's on the floor, that's all he's thinking about. 
Okay. So you may have to start trying to find the guys on the roster and maybe that's why they're playing Bradley, which, you know, what's so frustrating is he was one of the guys giving up so many straight line drives tonight. I think Jason Maple tweeted out, like, what's the point if he's, if he's, if he's such a, he's so trigger happy on offense and never has seen a jump shot he doesn't like, but then on the other end, he's not doing his job. So I, it's, it's frustrating, but they need to identify the players on the team that have somewhat of an uh, individual identity that is catered to defense. Even if that means Bazemore is crazy as all hell and he does stupid stuff all the time, but if he's at least focused on doing the job that is needed out of the position, you might, it might be worth sacrificing the spacing to try to recapture some of that because over the course of, of, of a couple of games, if you, if you cater to those guys, it might cause some of these other guys to then buy into that identity. because they'll have no choice. Otherwise they won't play. That would be the the next thing I would do. And the next, the the last thing, and this to me is absolutely critical. LeBron, AD, Russ, and THT have to buy into the fact that they are rim pressuring players and not perimeter players. I love LeBron and Anthony Davis and THT and even Russ on occasion taking a balanced catch and shoot jump shot when someone else just got to the rim. But outside of that specific scenario, all four of those guys have to cut way back on their jump shot hunting and get back to becoming what they are when they're at their best, which is guys who put relentless pressure on the rim. If those four guys put relentless pressure on the rim, it will turn around everything with the offense because it will cave everybody in and even guys like Baysmore and even guys like Avery Bradley will start to get better looks and everything will turn around offensively. But they, 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 you can't, it can't be LeBron's biggest three point volume season and Anthony Davis returning to, you know, becoming Kevin Durant out of the high post and THT showing off all the step backs and Oh, Russ is taking four jump shots every third quarter. It cannot be that if it's that this is going to blow up. But I think if they can accomplish those things, buy into the coach's scheme, start to favor guys who have some sort of individual identity centered around effort and focus and all of the details of that, that, that affect winning. And if their star, their core four players embrace pressuring the rim, I do think this ship will turn around. Yeah, and I'm a, I'm just gonna like spoil something for you. The rust jumpers aren't going away. Like that's just <laughs> not that's just not going away. Like he's gonna continue to. It, it's just. We've had, we have too much of a sample size for him throughout his career, maybe other than that one you know, season in Houston uh, when they really had no center and it was just P.J. Tucker out there at the five where he really limited his three-point attempts, and he, I think he still took almost three a game. Uh, but, but, yeah, those rush jumpers aren't going away. And, again, like I, I think this season has just become like you have to acquiesce the talent to, make, to fit Russ. Like that's just what it's become is positives and negatives are too loud to me. Like – like, that's where I think this season has gone to. And there's stuff we can do. Like, you said that Vogel's in over his head offensively. And, look, Vogel's not an offensive laden coach. Like, I think that's been clear. But we did used to run sets. Like, it used, it did not used to just be these, like, go down, I you know, throw in the post AD. Like, we used to have these sets for – do you remember these sets we used to run for KCP where, like, he'd start in the corner and be, like, a double drag into a handoff? Like, where is that all gone? Like, or, like, what happened to all the horn sets we were running when LeBron was out, you know, with Carmelo and AD? Like, what happened to all that? Like, all of that seems to be gone. 
tonight was just a bunch of just isolation and maybe Boston. The switching. I mean, yeah. Boston was switching everything. And, and, yeah. Sure. Yeah, that's some of it. And then, like, I, I noticed one play tonight. So, like, it was Talon in that KCP spot where he was going to come off a dribble handoff. And then Carmelo just decided, I'm going to go in the post. And it became just a Carmelo post-up. So stuff like that happens. But I think there is some offensive stuff there. And I think he is searching. Like, we talk about good process all the time. I think that fourth quarter is something to look into. Like, putting Russ, LeBron was at the five. You had Russ. And, look, they didn't defend great. And I don't think this team, we talked about before the season, could there be a top 10 defense? And I'd be happy with top probably 15 right now, just the way I'm seeing them defend. Uh, but, like, like this is an offensive-minded team. Like, I think that's where it's going to have to lean to. And that goes against everything Vogel believes in. It's just the roster construction is made that way. And I think the fourth quarter was something to kind of lean into there. Or it was Russ, LeBron, and three shooters. I think it was Mello, Ellington, and Monk, if I remember correctly. And Russ got to the rim every time on Jason Tatum. And uh, he got layup after layup. Uh, and then they switched smart on him. And I think it changed a little bit. But that's where I think this season is kind of going into – you talked about LeBron has to be this rim seeker. Like, he just can't be that in year 19, though, Jason, right? Like, it's just, he, it's too much wear on his body to me. Like, would he rather go to the rim every time? I'm sure he would. But, like, the jumper is kind of the fallback, you know? Like, it's it allows him to kind of load manage while he's in games. And maybe the Lakers aren't good enough for him to do that. That remains to be seen. But I think that's where the jumper is. I think AD is the one that falls back on that too much. Like, he's the one that I, I would like attacking the rim more. And again, isoing against Al Horford, I don't think is the right idea by it. I, I have to go back and look, but I don't remember very many Russ AD pick and rolls tonight. I don't remember any LeBron. Do you remember any LeBron AD pick and rolls tonight? Like, I really honestly don't remember any. Um, but like, that's, again, it's the switching. It, sure. Yeah, the switching does just take that out. But I mean, like when Russ is defended by Dennis Schroeder, like they should not be able to switch AD onto onto shoot or sorry shooter onto ad but anyway that's besides my point it's just like i think there are actions but we do get into this super isolation heavy basketball but vogel used to have like plays that at least pet plays it wasn't a whole wasn't like like some complicated super motion offense like the warriors like where the warriors run where it's all these split action stuff but like there was some more stuff there that i'm just not seeing and again maybe that's just buy-in stuff uh but yeah like i just don't think lebron can be this super rim attacking guy in year 19 tht definitely has to be better but I think, again, lineups have to work for him as well. Like the LeBron-Russ uh, THT didn't have a great opening start. And again, it's just one game. But I would like to see him have his own lineup. Like there's things that can still be improved, which is why I can't just get to the whole other side. Like, again, I kept saying, once you cross the line, once you fire a coach, your season pretty much resets. Like in a good This team order. needs a reset. <laughs> that's fair. I mean, that's fair. They could need a reset. But like to me, that's a – that's like a panic button i'm not ready to push yet like it's just it's too much has happened like to, to just fire frank i don't see a solution where someone comes in and can put in all their stuff and you know the lakers roll on and maybe they can i just i'm not there yet to, to just let frank go i, I hear you I, I do i mean I, I there are a couple of things like there's a couple of basic rotational concepts that i wish frank would figure out so for instance like having two creators on the floor there's, mm-hmm. there's no reason ever to have LeBron, THT, and Russ all on the bench at the same time. Yeah, that makes and no there's, sense. And there's also no reason to not have either one of Dwight or Anthony Davis on the floor. Um, just just in general, if you the, the way I would look at it is you need a rim runner, and then you need your primary creator, and you need a second side creator. So obviously, THT had been playing so well in the first three games that he needed to start. 
So I'm not advocating for ditching that, but what I would do is, you know, get a quick sub, get one of them out quickly. I don't know if that's THT or Russ, and then just really simplify things. It's LeBron and AD or LeBron and either Russ or THT on the other wing with Anthony Davis as the rim runner. And as guys sub out, if LeBron comes out, bring Russ back in and it's Russ and THT. If THT comes out, it's Russ and LeBron and so on and so forth. If AD comes out, you bring in Dwight, keep it simple and with the rotation and build it around those creators. It will help them all with their rhythm. That's what I thought was so messed up about what Frank did to THT tonight to disrupt his rhythm. Playing with the starters, where inevitably it's a decent chance that he's not going to get a shot off, which which would be fine if, like with Dennis, he continued to get opportunities as the lead man in other lineups. THT didn't really get that opportunity tonight. He was taken out of the game, and then here comes Rondo by himself, and then here comes THT, but here comes Russ as well. Russ is going to kind of dictate the vast majority of the possessions in that regard. So it's like, it's frustrating because I think, I think Frank overthinks it with the rotation. And I think, I think he views Rondo as someone that doesn't stagnate someone that's more willing to try to move the ball around. But the truth of the matter is, is that at this phase with what he gives up defensively and with uh, the fact that he can't like simply finish layups at the rim when the defense does play the pass and force him to be a, 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 you know, someone who can score. It just isn't a good option anymore. And so that, that needs to be simplified down to like, I would, I would lean more into Russ as a primary creator instead of into Rondo. Like I, the, the thing that's the, the, in, for the record, in one thing in defense of Russ here, like it was, pre, it was entirely predictable that in LeBron's first game back, he would have a hard time figuring out where his spots are. Right. That goes without saying. So like if, if I'm Russ and I just went from being the primary guy to now LeBron's that guy, there was obviously going to be a little bit of an adjustment period. And uh, like the, the reality is, is like I felt like everybody, especially Russ and THT, were kind of like hesitant about when they were supposed to attack. I think THT's first shot, if I remember correctly, was a step back three on the left wing in the second quarter. Point being, like, he's just trying to fit in with the group and try to figure out where he's going to be aggressive. I would simplify it down, and I'd get with both of them, both Russ and THT, and I'd be like, I don't give a damn if LeBron's on the floor. I don't give a damn if Anthony Davis is on the floor. Get to the rim. If you catch the ball and you think you can rip through and get to the rim, if you see the, the, the backside of the defense and you think there's an opportunity, go. Yeah. Because even if you don't finish, it just opens things up it gets the defense moving around. It collapses the defense and gets things going. I think that hesitancy has to be cured, you know, but, but at the end of the day, like no one guy is to blame. Like sure. I like LeBron had a really bad defensive second half. And obviously he was very rusty tonight with his handle. Anthony Davis settled for way too many jump shots. Russ was really passive in the first half and then suddenly got jump shot happy in the third quarter. And I thought he was pretty bad defensively tonight. You know, a THT, struggled with hesitancy and then most of the shots that he took when he was trying to find his rhythm were very difficult shots. And you know that I always preach that taking really difficult shots is a really bad way to form your rhythm. And it's almost guaranteed to start a bad night unless you get hot at the beginning. You know what I mean? So like there, every, everyone is, is culpable. No one person is to blame. However, I think LeBron and AB are the ones that have the capability of, of, playing well enough to kind of inspire some change in the habits elsewhere on the roster. 
Sure. And, and the Lakers keep making sure that my notes mean nothing after the second half. Uh, but <laughs> do you remember the play where AD got a dunk tonight? Like he, uh, I think he dribbled from like the top and got a dunk over, was it Al Horford? Do you remember that play? Uh, I don't know if you remember in the first half or not, but AD got a dunk in this game where he dribbled in from the three pointer and it was off of a fake dribble handoff. He faked it, dribble drive and went, went down and dunked it. And I just think like there's, again, I said this in the last spaces that we did, but we keep treating AD like he's, we keep playing him as if he's the archetype of Dirk and he's not Dirk. And we keep putting him in those type of situations instead of what he is, which is a big who has guard type of handles who can really make plays and, he can push it in transition if you let him. It's just too much like AD gets the rebound, immediately looks for a guard, immediately looks for Rondo, immediately looks for Russ. Like, let him push it. Like, we, we make things too difficult, in my opinion. Like, we want to play fast, we want to play fast, but that doesn't just mean Russ has to push the ball. Like, AD should have some kind of leeway there where he can push it, run run something, get, get something early to the basket. And I'm still just not seeing enough of that. Like, that dribble drive he did for a dunk, I think was the only play where, like, he actually dribbled – in. And the point of putting AD at the five is not just to give Russ space, but to give AD space too, right? Like that's the whole point of that is to also give him space, not have a center in the lane for to muck it, muck it up for him. And I just mm-hmm. like, like that's my kind of final thing I had, I guess, is that like I just want to see more. AD is such a unique talent that like putting him as just his post up player. I think I saw someone tweet out tonight. We had fourteen post ups, and I think the league the the lead the lead in the league is like nine per game or something like there's just no need to post up ad that much first he's not efficient enough at it second teams double way too easily because of the spacing we have i just want to see ad a little bit more in the open floor give him some more leeway there as a ball handler because i think there's something there to open up like it's year three of ad and i feel like we're still just in this super rudimentary offense with him when he has so much more skills, the whole point, the whole thing about AD is he was a guard growing up, has these guard skills, and we just don't see it enough night to night other than the mid-range jumpers, the step-back jumpers. Um, I just would like to see a little bit more of that. And, uh, yeah, that's, I guess, all I all I had for, for this one. Yeah, so for, for those of you guys who missed it two nights ago, Raj and I kind of got into this more uh, in-depth, just the philosophy that the Lakers are too reliant on post-ups in a league that allows defenders the most leeway in post-up defense. And that even though you can't ever count on Anthony Davis to be Giannis, a guy that can consistently break down a defense off the dribble because he doesn't quite have the quick first step that Giannis has, you absolutely can use him as an isolation player or as a matchup attacking player in things other than post-ups, whether that's getting him with a live dribble on the perimeter starting him out of the, with the triple threat out at the three-point line, doing quick pick, pick and pops where he's almost attacking a closeout. Just some variety other than here's a high post touch or here's a, like kind of an extended low block touch. That's pretty much all he gets in the yeah. offense in terms of isolation attempts. And it just doesn't make sense because it plays into some of the downsides of those offensive strategies in this era. And, you know, the best offenses that I see in the league right now are teams like Utah, are teams like the Clippers, who just truly space the floor and count on guys' ability to beat people off the dribble and get into the paint. And by doing that, start getting your defense in rotation and then swinging it around until there's a decent three-point shot or until they screw up a rotation at the rim and you can get a layup. Those are the kinds of things that, 
the best offenses in the league are doing right now. Yeah, there are some outliers. You got your teams like the Suns that run a gazillion pick and rolls a game. You got your teams like the um, the Warriors that run their super, super unique, you know, star off ball, tons of cutting and screening offense, blah, 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 blah. But with this group of players that we have, we have three guys who are extremely gifted at getting to the basket off the dribble. And we've got lots of shooting. And we have this unbelievable versatile big that presents all his problems that he presents to the defense. Why are we not running a more modern offensive scheme? Mm. That, that, get, that gets frustrating. But uh, anyway, we did go into more detail on that on the last pod. Um, we're going to call it a night for right now. Guys, on Sunday at, I think, 3 Pacific Standard Time, the, the, the Lakers play the Pistons. Um, that should be a game that is a little bit less eventful, and we will take a bunch of callers. So all of you who called in, I sincerely appreciate it. I'm sorry we didn't get to you tonight. Please come back on Sunday, and we will take a bunch of calls. Um, this will air on Dash Radio on Monday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, and we'll be on our podcast feed here in about 30 minutes. As always, we sincerely appreciate your guys' support and you coming to hang out with us and hopefully at some point we'll have some more positive stuff to talk about. But, you know, sometimes it takes getting punched in the mouth and really, really, really hitting rock bottom before you can look in the mirror and take some accountability over what's wrong. And hopefully if we're lucky, this will be that moment for this team. Yeah. I appreciate everyone that came out Friday night on a Friday night. Uh, go enjoy the rest of your, your Friday and uh, appreciate everyone coming.